message is life in his presence. Life in his presence. And you know, <clears throat> there is nothing that will give you more confidence in your life than the assurance that God is with you. Have you ever had a moment in your life, just different seasons in your walk, where you feel just like you've been filled by more of God? Oh, coming out of a very powerful prayer meeting. You're like, wow, you know, I, uh, you feel very hopeful, you feel very optimistic about the future. Maybe you might have been discouraged, but then you, you have a really awesome time of God's presence. And there's something that it does in our lives that it gives us confidence. Now, we can take that into our everyday life. We can take that into your job. You can take it into uh, an interview that you have that, that maybe you think it's a long shot. But when you know the Lord is leading you, there's a peace that comes. There's a peace that comes. So there is something, um, the presence of God comes and it gives us boldness and confidence like, uh, and joy. You know, there's a few things that the Bible says about the presence of God. It says that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. You know, in life, people are always looking for happiness. It's like, oh, everybody, God knows I need to be happy, you know. And sometimes we substitute the happiness for joy, temporary happiness for joy. So the, the world offers all these things on, as a counterfeit. It can only give us so much, but God is the one who really fulfills our lives. We never really get fulfillment and peace in life until we get rest and fulfillment in Christ. So when we have the presence of God, it says that there is fullness of joy. We begin to experience what God, Bible says, joy unspeakable. Another thing, and I, and I could go over and over, but I'm just laying the foundation on today's message. Another thing it says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So in his presence, we find liberty, uh, we find a victory over challenges in life. So his, his presence is what we need in our lives. But there are times that we, we walk in this life where God feels like he's so distant. And so now, instead of feeling joy, instead of feeling peace, instead of feeling victorious, optimistic, we start to wonder and worry about what's going to go on. And, and today I want to speak on that a little bit. And I want to speak about just living our lives in his presence. Now, before I elaborate any further, let's go to Judges chapter 6. I'm reading just a little part of uh, the story of a guy called Gideon. Gideon was in, in, in this part of his life. He was feeling like God was really far away. Uh, let's read the scripture and then we'll come back and talk a little bit here. Judges chapter 6. And I'll explain the context uh, after I read. So let's start down at verse 11. It says, the, the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Hey, but sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, that the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have, you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. 
Verse 15. It says, But the Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My, plan, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in the entire family, in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. You sent your word to heal our disease. You said that the entrance of your word brings life, O oh God. And so today, we open our hearts to you that you would speak to us and that, God, you would have us receive the fullness of what you've ordained for us today, July 14th, 2019. I want you to just pray for yourself. Put your, uh, your, put your hand over your, your heart. And I want you to be, be, pray for yourself. Because God's got a portion today for, just for you. And I'm going to pray in agreement for all of us, but I just feel, uh, I feel, feel compelled right now to just ask you, to ask the Lord, 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 touch my heart. Open the ears of my spirit that I may hear the word you have for me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple prayer. It doesn't have to be complicated. It says in Revelation seven times in the first three chapters, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Lord's got something for your life today. One of the, uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, about life, one of the conquests for life, we're always looking for rest. We're always looking for rest and comfort. I mean, if I could just make it better, It'd be good. And we always think, and then we get to a point sometimes we are comparing. We're looking at it like, man, you know, I'm doing really well, but until I saw Crystal. And I saw what she's driving, I thought, oh boy, I need more. So there's always this constant thing, if it would just be better. Have you ever gone buy a purchase, you go to a store, and you're buying a big purchase, and, that, and you, you discover that there are so many things in this life that you really need. They never, the need never existed before until you went and got an encounter with a good salesman and you discovered all these things that you should have had and you've never had and now that's why your life is not as good as it ought to be because we are always looking for more comfort and, and, and happiness and joy but the, the secret of joy as I began it, it is found, the joy, it's not even a secret it's actually uh, the best, it's not a secret it's, it's very open, the Bible is making it very clear that we find joy when we find our rest in Christ when we, find, we, when we get to the Lord's presence, at that place where the Lord is, then it says that that place is where there is fullness of joy. Not a portion, not just a touch, not a little happiness for today. Where if you are where God is, if you can touch and be at the place where God is, you will find joy. And happiness is just a little bit of that. Amen? And God wants us, for us, to live a life of joy. Now, the past, I, I read a little passage without giving the, the full context, and maybe the context might, might help us a little bit. Gideon, at this time in Israel's history, it was actually an interesting, the book of Judges, I love the book of Judges because we can learn a lot from it, but in, a, in a, just a real synopsis of the book, it was a time of transition. Now, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God, through his prophet Moses, delivers them and walks them through 
uh, out of, gets them out of, uh, into their freedom, and he leads them through the wilderness for 40 years, and they're waiting for this promise of a time of rest, a time of happiness, a time of joy. See, some, some of the words that were being given to them was words of expectation. You know, you can hold on right now. Don't give up because God has great plans for you. Out into the future, when we get to the promised land, we're going to have rest. So they've lived all their lives hearing this, looking forward to the other side. They want to enjoy. They've been living, just barely living, barely making, making it. Now they're coming from oppression to barely making it, just enough of what they have. But there is an expectation inside of them that they get, when they get to the other side, they're going to have joy, they're going to have rest. Generations after generations have been hearing the same message. It kept them going. He kept them going, sometimes through waves of uh, discouragement and trials and ex- awesome times and bad times, but they had not attained rest. But at this juncture in their history, they had already reached the promised land. They had already entered into the joy of the promise. And in there is one of the most dangerous places to be. Because it's easy at that point, which I'll, I will, I'll explain later, to to get comfortable and to get complacent. And so they did. They got comfortable, they got complacent. And they went through this vicious cycle of complacency and to where they're getting dry, they almost no longer know the Lord, they're doing their own thing, they're preoccupied with their stuff, they're preoccupied with what should have been a blessing, but they allowed what should have been a blessing to become a distraction, and now they are far from God. And as they did, they would drift away from his presence, and oftentimes they would have um, 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 trouble, um, they, will, they will have nations around them will bring them trouble. They would, uh, and then before you know it, they will be crying out to God, and then you would, God will raise up a, a someone to lead them. And God had wanting to set Israel apart as a people for himself. He didn't want the nation of Israel to have any monarchy over them. He didn't want any king over them. He wanted to be their king. And so he raised up anointed judges who, who led by the anointing, but not by authority or, 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 or imposition. Of, uh, but they got to a point, they're, they're content, and they've forgotten the Lord, and they start saying, God, we want to be like the nation over there. They all have kings. They all have good kings they can look up to. So they were in between that time of being led by the Lord, by anointed judges, to where they want a king to control them. God says, that's not the perfect plan I have for you. That's not what I designed for you. My plan is greater than that. Quit comparing yourself to other nations. I have something so much bigger. If you would just trust me and live in my ways, you will see how much I have for you. And so in this time, Israelites, as I read this part, they were living at a time of oppression where the Midianites were coming and, uh, and, and destroying everything that they could. Um, uh, they were terrorizing them, oppressing them. And one of the things that they would do is, during the season, when they would plant their crop, they would wait till it's gotten to a certain point and come in and destroy crop. Starve them to death. This is why you find, Josh, uh, you find um, uh, Gideon hiding. Be- 
because he's hiding for survival. He says Gideon was hiding, uh, taking care of his grain and, and, and making sure that the, the oppressors don't come and destroy because he doesn't want to starve to death. And they are living this constant life. You know, uh, many of you that already know us, uh, if you're new, you don't know this. We spend a year, I'm from Kenya, for those who don't know it. But uh, my, my, we, our family spent a month in Kenya recently. And, 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 and I know since about 1998, it was the first terrorist attack in Nairobi, the city I was born in. And it was an attack on the U.S. Embassy downtown. In fact, I was just heading to the bank building next to it. And God just spared my life. That's a story for another day. But ever since August 1998, Kenya has experienced over and over and over again terrorist attacks. Uh, in colleges, shopping centers, and they try to target where Westerners like to go so that it gets a lot of our media attention. And so when we were there, it's like things have changed so much uh, where you go to a mall and, and, and you, have, you, you have like a tight airport security to go to a mall. I just want to go buy bread or something. But you have to go through security, be checked. It's like how the, 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 the life has completely changed because of all the terrorism and that's going on. I know, I feel like that every time. TSA agent, you feel bad? It's like, seriously, I just want to go to Atlanta. Atlanta, no, no. But you have to go through that. They scan you, they touch you from head to toe, and they look at you funny, and you know. But it's amazing how the, the, the life has been changed because of that attack. And they're living in that phase here. They've been terrorized so many times that they're suspicious about everything and they're living in fear for their lives, trying to strive for survival. And at that point in their life they think God has already left us. And this, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and he says, hey, mighty hero, God is with you. God is with you. And immediately Gideon says, but I, I, excuse me, sir? Just hold it one second before you go any further. If God's with us, why? Why, God? Why? Has he let all this happen to us? Now, don't look at me as if you've never thought that in your own life. Think, if God is with me, why am I going through all this stuff? How many can relate? If you can't relate, just wait a minute. Just, it won't be long. It won't be long, I guarantee you. And he's feeling so distant. He's feeling like God is so far away. And the angel comes, doesn't give him a lot. He just says, hey, mighty hero. It's like, you don't know me. You call me a hero. You have no idea who I am. You call me a hero? He says, God is with you. God is with you. Say that with me. God is with you. Okay, point at yourself. God is with you. Now that statement, I have found sometimes being around Christianity for so long, we sometimes just say it by road. Sometimes it's become too common that we don't really appreciate the gravity of that what statement means. Because we use it a lot 
that we don't even think about how powerful it is to have God on your side. He says, if God is for you, who can be against you? So if God is with you, there is no mountain that you cannot conquer. There is nothing in front of you that is too difficult for him. And sometimes we take it lightly, and I want to remind you as a believer, when you open your heart to Jesus Christ, and you repented of your sins, and you welcomed him into your life, he put his spirit inside of you. He's not just with you, he's in you. And he says that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And that we need to live in such a way that we realize and we understand the power that he has when God is in us. We made a declaration during the offering and we read that scripture that says, remind me again, it's according to the power that I know that God is able to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, all that we could think and all that we could imagine according to what? The power that is at work within us. In our spirit there is a power that resides within us. What's that? That's God. His Holy Spirit that is put inside of us. And there are times in our lives that we go through things that we don't understand. If we could flip the switch, I'll do it in a minute. But yet we don't even need to know much other than the knowledge of this, that God's with me. So they keep talking. So he goes through all this. And like you and me, you're like, now, what do you have to say about that angel of the Lord? If God is with us. So he puts out a good case to say, if God is really with us, why is this all? And he's waiting for the answer. He finishes all that. He says, look, listen to this. Gideon, son of Josh. Okay, he says, sir, he replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why, why am I broke right now? Why am I going through sickness? Why is my family not uh, the way it should be? Why, why am I struggling in this life? Why am I hiding from my enemies? Why do I feel so intimidated right now if God is with us? And he's waiting. He says, this is my opportunity to get all the answers I've always wanted to have. And then here's the answer. Write it down. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Great. Thanks a lot. You really went around that really good, like a good politician. But God say, in other words, God's saying this. All that stuff does not matter. In front of God, they're just so little. It's so insignificant in the eyes of the Lord. Let me take you back to an old story in the Bible, in Exodus. The Israelites are getting ready to go to the promised land. They know this is going to be harder than they had imagined. They sent 12 spies to go out and scope out the land and have their battle strategy on how they're going to take on the people of Canaan. They go, they take the 10 spies. Yeah? Scope out the land. They come back, 10 of them, are saying, man, guys, we got a problem. 
we got a really, really big problem. We sell the dudes in that land and they are ripped. <laughs> they got at least six inches on any of us, height-wise. 320 pounds at least, the smallest, pure muscle, no body fat. Have you seen the tanks they have? It's incredible, guys. We are toast. Two of them said, we get that. We're not burying our head under the sun. We, 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 we recognize the situation and the assessment is right. And they might be big and big all right. But our God is bigger. In front of our God, they're just like grasshoppers. Give me the mountain. Yes, yes. And Gideon is over here complaining about all the trouble they have. And it is true trouble. He's not ignored. God's not saying that. But he's saying, compared to the plans that I have for your life, this is just a tiny little thing. And I'll take care of business if you would just stand with me. No mountain is too big for God. Nothing is impossible with him. There's no mountain that you ever face in your life that ever, ever faces God. He's not surprised by the thing you're going through right now. He's not like, oh my goodness, I had no idea that you were going through that. He knew it, and he's well able to take you through it. So, but it reminds him the most important thing in life here. Is that there is a call of God in his life. He says, forget about all that stuff. You get in my calling. It says, I am sending you as a deliverer. I am sending you. I want you to go with the strength you have now. And I will use you to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. I am sending you. Can I tell you, every one of us sitting here today, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior... If you've opened your life to him and he's the Lord of your life, there is a call of God over your life. You are called. You've been commissioned. You've been commissioned into this world of oppression. I, like I said earlier, the thing that the world is looking for is happiness. They use it all the time. We use it for excuse to sin. So even God knows I got to be happy. And God says, I'm sending you into those people because they don't know me. And every call, every believer, I have called you to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. I've called you in this generation to be a light, to get people. Uh, tell them about the saving knowledge of Jesus, the calling of God. If you would just do my will, if you would just know the call, all these things will work themselves out. What did Jesus say in, in Matthew chapter 6? He says, for you, seek the Lord the kingdom of God above all else, and all the things that we need will be added to us. Like the, if we would just prioritize on God's commission in our lives, he says when we prioritize on that, he already needs. See, Jesus made that statement right about when he's telling us not to worry about life. If you read the verses before that, he's going, he says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Don't, don't worry about that. He's not saying that you don't need them or you don't want. He says, just don't worry about those things. And he goes on to say, I like how the living, New Living Translation puts this. It says, the, 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 
I can now I don't remember how it says it. The Gentiles, or the, the unbelievers, it says, they obsess over these things. But for you as a, as a child of God who's got the Holy Ghost resident in your spirit, you ought not to worry about things because your father already knows the things that you need. So rearrange your life, prioritize your life, and concern yourself with the mission that I put in your life. And, and that is his kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. He says, Gideon, you focus on the mission. The mission is to go save Israel from the Midianites. I have called you, I have commissioned you, I put my spirit inside of you, God's already with you. Do that. There are people in our communities that will never hear the gospel. They will never step foot in the church unless you brought them. Never. But they will come to a church because they trust you, you have a relationship with them, and they will hear the gospel for the first time and they'll have an opportunity not to be a member of your church, no, to have an opportunity to live, to have eternal life and not be condemned to hell. We will preach the gospel. We'll give them an opportunity to give their lives to Christ. And that, has, that is eternal. And it says, keep your focus on what matters eternally. Live your life with eternal uh, um, perspective. And look at people as souls that are tormented by the enemy and that God wants to deliver and put a vision and instill destiny into their lives and that is calling you and I to do that work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom of delivering people from the bondages of sin into the reality of the kingdom of God where they they can get out of the miry clay, as the Bible says, and set their foot on Jesus, the solid rock in whom we stand on. But Gideon doesn't stop. Just like you and I don't always stop. Even probably I've opened your mind to other questions. I, I, he says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Now you get this, Lord. I think I have a feeling here he was not like as upset. He was just trying to talk himself out of this situation. He says, my, my, my clan is the weakest, you know, in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And, get this, and I'm the least even in my own family. I'm at the bottom at the bottom of this thing. I think you got the wrong guy. I, I believe that there is a call I believe that people should be saved. I believe that believers should go out there and get the lost one for Christ. But God, you know, Andy is more anointed, you know. I, I just, I don't, I, I, I'm not good at talking to people. I'm not good at, at, at praying. I, you know, God, you know, we can talk ourselves out of God's will so fast. You wouldn't even believe it. And he and he's negotiating himself out of this. He's like, there's a call, but it's the, we want to, like someone else. I, I really don't know a lot of people that are not saved. I'm, I'm really, uh, 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 yeah, I, I, no, 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 that's, no. And we negotiate in our minds and we talk ourselves over and over again when God says the key to your blessing is to be in your, his will. The key to your blessing, the key to uh, 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 getting happiness and joy and fulfillment in your life is actually doing what God has called you to do. And the thing that's beating the most in God's heart is that 
People are dying every single day around us without knowing Jesus Christ. He says, I want that to be a reality. I want you to, the believers to actually start crying for the souls of the city. Jesus, when he comes out from fasting and he looks, he looks over the city, he says he wept over the city. Because he sees a people like sheep without a shepherd. And says he wants our hearts to have that compassion and recognize that we are interacting every day with people, if they were to drop dead today, may not see heaven. They may not live in eternal peace. We might comfort ourselves with many sayings, but he says, unless they come to Christ, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he has called all of us to call. And as he went through all this, because he's ad all that is addressing all the little fears and insecurities that we all deal with because you're human or because you're weak or anything, Gideon doesn't realize he's dealing with a lot of insecurities, but all humans deal with insecurity. God is not surprised that you think, oh, geez, maybe, I, I, I don't know. I haven't really been that good of an example of a Christian anyway. They're going to think I'm a hypocrite. I, I can say that. I don't even know anything that is to know about. We talk about all this. He says, that is not foreign to God. He understands all that. And so to comfort his insecurity, he says, I will be with you. So, you know, in those three statements that he says, one, God's presence, everything we need to know, Everything we need to know, every answer in our lives is a God, God, God's with me. I don't get it. I'm trying, I'm searching for answers myself right now, but I take comfort in knowing that God is with me. And in the meantime, when I'm taking comfort in knowing that He's with me, I'm not sitting down doing nothing. I'm going to make myself so busy doing God's work. And he'll catch me, he'll take care of my stuff as I take care of his business. When I take care of his people, he's going to take care of my things. I don't have to worry because I know he's going to take care of my kids. He's going to take care of my bank account. He's going to take care of my retirement. He's going to take care of all those things. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to sweat. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But God goes farther. He goes farther to the distance and says that not only is he with us, not only is he commissioning us, He's saying that he will never leave us. He will always be with us. Now think, the Great Commission, let me just put, draw a parallel here. The Great Commission, Jesus tells all of us believers. He says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And the last statement says this, and lo, I will be with you always. To the ends of age. Do you even see a little parallel there? That when we are going about doing God's business, he guarantees that he will never leave us. That he's going with us no matter how hard the mission field may be. And sometimes it's not even as hard as we make it. It's harder in our heads sometimes than it is in reality. Because we talk, we negotiate ourselves out of stepping out. And when we step out in faith, God strengthens us. God does supernatural things like, boy, I sure I'm glad I responded in faith and, and followed God. Gideon is feeling so distant. 
he thinks God has absolutely forgotten about Israel. He says, we've had a lot of stuff. They've always told us. Our ancestors says, man, God did a lot of miracles back in the day. Wish you were here. He got us out of Egypt. He took care of us. Man, he is a good God. He's good all the time. They hear that all the time. But, he, but in his heart, in his life, he's feeling, oh boy, that God is so far away. But yet God was so close. He was so close. He was right there with him. But he didn't see him. He didn't feel it. He didn't even know it. And the angel comes to just remind him that you're not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Here are a few scriptures. If you want to take some verses, I'm going to read a few verses here to you. Just listen. And I can go, I can read probably a hundred of these types of scriptures. But let me give you four or five here. I don't have it over. Oh, maybe I do have it up there. Deuteronomy 31.8. It's not second Deuteronomy, that's a lie. Just delete that too. <laughs> I want to know, the guy that's sleeping, just hoping you would wake up. Yeah. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, don't be discouraged. Joshua 1.5 No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Isaiah 41, 17. The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. The tongue, their tongues are parched with thirst, but the Lord will answer them and say, I, God of Israel, will not forsake them. That was Gideon's picture right there. They are hiding just to survive and eat. And God says, hey, Gideon, the Lord is with you. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. One last one. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I mean, I could go on and on and on how many times the Lord reminds us that the thing we need to know is value the presence of God inside of you. Recognize it, value that, and walk in faith knowing that God promises not only is he with you, he will never leave you. It's like, sometimes you feel like if I go far, he might leave me along the way. He says, no, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, says the Lord. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly when God says, I'm with you. That is a powerful statement. If you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God is with you. God is with you. Do it a hundred million times until you believe it in your heart. Because when you start feeling his presence, confidence will rise. Joy will rise. Peace will come in the middle of difficult situation. You will have peace because you know, I might be going through a lot right now. I might be going through the valley of the shadow of death. But I will not be afraid of anything because I know deep inside my heart that God is with me. And he promises to never leave me, to never forsake me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you motivate yourself. You remind yourself that God is with you. Not only that, He's in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. To close, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts. Because sometimes you say, how do I keep myself reminding myself in this? I'm going to just give you a few, few really quickly. 
how to keep. Because it's not that God is not there. You see what happens is, God doesn't lift, he doesn't go. He's there. He's faithful. We've read how faithful he is that he will never. He promises that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But sometimes we don't get to enjoy or to feel, to feel, well, in a tangible sense, the confidence of his presence being with us. And that's what was going on with Gideon. God had not left him. God had not disappeared. God was very close to him. But he would not feel, he could not feel it, he could not see it. What I would, to put a little understanding on it is that he would not feel what we call his manifest presence. See, when we worship, how many felt, like even towards the end of worship, you felt a little presence? It's not that God was not here when we came in. He was. But we condition our hearts and our minds to experience his manifest presence in our life. Then he brings a boost in our confidence and we feel like, wow, surely God was in this place. Surely God touched me. Surely God. See, it wasn't that God came and left. He said he wants us to live in such a way that we experience his manifest presence where we are. Wherever we go. Anywhere we are, in our car, in our homes, in the service. So the first thing, and, and, and I touched on it as I prayed uh, during worship, is that to keep God's manifest presence in your life, to experience God's manifest presence in your life, is that you need to keep your heart, you keep your heart, oh, you know, did I type it wrong? Oh, good, I typed it wrong in my own notes, not for you. Keep your heart desperate for God always. Keep your heart desperate for God always. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he says, such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 51, I quoted this as we prayed this morning. That the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. This, O oh God, you will not despise. See, it's a challenge. It's, 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 a, it's not even a challenge, but you can challenge yourself to keep yourself, your heart in such a way that you never lose that desperate desperation for God's presence in your life. The danger is when you get to comfort you could get complacent. So the Israelites had attained comfort. They've gotten to a place of the good life, like in Nebraska, right? They were living the good life. They got complacent. And so their hearts became content, but they did not keep themselves desperate for God. And so God did not leave them, but they were not experiencing his manifest presence because The places in their hearts and in their lives that needed to be occupied by God, they managed to fill with other things. Because they had enough things to fill them that they forgot that they needed God. So now that God was still there, but they weren't filling him. You see, I say ever since the end of World War II, we have lived, the world has experienced the best part of peace that the world's almost ever known. 
World War II, there were wars everywhere. People were living in desperation. And we've gone through a season in the world of relative peace. I know people are still suffering. There's still trials. There's a lot of horrific things going on. But and even specifically, specifically in the United States, we've lived in the most prosperous, most powerful nation on earth. Trust me, I grew up in a different one. And so... We comfort ourselves with substitutes. And our hearts become dull. And we still have problems. But they're first world problems. And so Satan uses all these things to make us feel like our wild life is worth nothing. And we generate and create new problems that never existed to begin with. Sometimes I hear people throwing names of things and drawing parallels of this time and times that people really suffered and people really paid the price and people really died. And it feels like it's a shame for their sacrifice when we compare petty things with what people really went through. People that really died for our freedom. We complain. So we, we become people that just complain over sometimes nothing. But then our hearts are dull. Because we, we, we lose that desperation. And so God wants to do something supernatural, but he's not finding those contrite hearts. He's not finding those people that will seek him. He says in one verse that we, we, will, we will seek the Lord, that we will break the fallow ground. We, it is time to seek the Lord until he returns and reigns his righteousness. People are saying, God, we are desperate for you. Man, I don't feel it right now, but God, I increase my hunger, Lord. Increase my appetite. Take my, my stoniness. Take my pride. Take my... Lord, soften my heart, Lord, that I may never be proud, that I may be humble in your presence, that I may need you. I can sing like we sang today. I need you. Oh, God, I need you every hour. I need you in my hardest times and in my best time. I need you the same, God. Yes. Having that perspective. So you intentionally... Determine and purpose in your heart that you will always yearn, you will always long for, you will always have this desperateness, a desperate heart that is contrite towards the Lord. That will awaken something inside of you and you won't be shocked that God's with you. You'll be confident all the time because that's when you're lifted and you start feeling. It's not just that he's there. You start knowing and knowing and knowing that God is there. I wasn't supposed to preach that long on that point. It was supposed to be very quick. But I felt to dwell on that a little bit because, you know, the Lord did tell the Israelites. He told them over and over again, read Deuteronomy. I'm not going to read it a lot, but read the book of Deuteronomy. No book in the Bible tells us much about the blessing, the, uh, the, the, the consequences of obedience and the curse of disobedience. But in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, it says you're about to go into a new life, a life that you've never known. It's going to be really awesome. It's going to be really cool. You know, uses their analogies. You know, a land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome, beautiful, amazing, glorious. I can't even tell you how good it's going to be. But God keeps reminding them over and over again. But when you get there... Uh, one verse. I, I said I won't read it, but I'll read one verse. <laughs> And you can write it down. Deuteronomy 8.13. He says, 
And when your flock and when your flock and your herds have become very large, and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, he says, Be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you out of your slavery. And, and that warning was not once. You read that before they ever got, God reminded us, just please, don't forget, it's going to be cool. You're going to be riding the waves. You're going to be doing jet skiing. It's going to be so cool you won't believe it. The stuff that we do for recreation now, other generations will think, oh my goodness, that was... So I'm telling you, we are blessed beyond measure. But he said, we're living in the time that the Lord says, be careful. It's going to be so good, but be careful. Please, don't forget God. Don't think you did this with your own two hands. Don't think for a moment. Don't take for granted the opportunities that has been given to you. Keep your heart at all times desperate for God, no matter how successful you become. I promise. The three, I'll just give you and I'm not going to explain it. You go do a Bible study and get it. <laughs> Make worship a central part of your life. Uh, no, 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 I take that back. Make worship central to your life. Not a part of your life, central to your life. Everything that concerns your life, dedicate it to the Lord. My money is not my money. It is God's money that has entrusted me with managing it. He puts any responsibility in my hands, I take the tithe and I honor the Lord with the first part of my income. Because it's not mine anyway, it's his. So I honor God with my life. My children are not my children. They're the Lord's children that he's blessed me with the opportunity to raise and nurture and teach in the ways of the Lord, as long as the Lord gives me the strength, I dedicate them to you. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to believe for great things because they are the Lord's. It says that our children shall be taught of the Lord, the Bible says, and great shall be the peace of your children. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, the Bible says. So I will have peace and I will have security. I won't worry about what their lives are going to be like because they shall be taught of the Lord. I'll teach them as if they are not mine. I'll teach them as if they are God. So if they are God's kids, then I'm going to teach them God's word. They are God. I'm going to let them do that. So that's leaving out your worship. Submit to doing God's will, not your own. God's will, not your own. Now, God's given us a will, but his will is better than my will. What he wants for your life is better than what you want for your life. And you will never lose out when you submit your will under God's will. Sometimes there's that insecurity thinking, oh, what, what God, God wants me to do something I wouldn't like. God is faithful. God knows, us, knows you better than you know yourself. And when you submit to your will, you're going to have more joy and peace. And you're going to not lose out in life. That's a lie from the pit of hell that keeps believers from committing to the Lord's work and the Lord's purposes. Because they think God might, might throw him into a place maybe that they wouldn't necessarily pick for themselves. <laughs> Don't buy into that lie. Think about the Lord's prayer. The first part of the prayer is glorifying God, right? Making worship central to our lives. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay? 
glory to God, basically submitting when you're starting to seek God in prayer, the first thing is really making worship central to your life. The second component is may your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two points out of that, your kingdom come. Going back to the life of Gideon that we talked. He says, but, but, but if you're with us, da, 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 why are you? Da, da? He says, I'm sending you. So the commission came first to his own comfort. His answers lied. His answer, his blessing was tied to his fulfillment of the commission. So God says, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Go do what I've called you to do. And all the things that are, uh, you're concerned about your life, they will begin to just fall into place. So your blessing, your destiny, your favor, your answers are tied directly to you fulfilling God's commission on your life. So it's not my will, it's his will. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life. In our city, in my nation, in, my, in this generation that I live in, as it is. And then, and then the next one is, give us this day our daily bread. You see, we go to prayer with give us this day our daily bread. Which is our provision. But it says, no, central to your life is worship. Then doing his will. And everything else that we need in our lives comes along with it. And lastly is... Commit to walk in obedience to God's word. That's a commitment you have to make inside of your life. It doesn't change. God's words doesn't change just because it's become unpopular in culture. Or it's become acceptable in our culture. God's word lives out through all generation. And so you're going to be put in places where you have to decide... Am I going to do God's, I'm going to obey God's word here, or I'm going to do what I think I should do? These things that I'm giving you is not like points, no. These are things that you want to lay deep in your heart and make it be a part of your life. It's things that you decide, they are cores. And you would find that if you establish those cores in your life, you will have more awareness of the Lord's presence in your life. And like every one of us, Life will throw us curveballs, sometimes things that are not expected. But the people who know their God, the Bible says, they are strong. They shall do mighty exploits. So when you are thrown at things that you don't understand, you, 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 you really don't have answers, they are uncomfortable, you can have that peace and say, I know who I am. I know who's in me. I know who called me. I know who sent me. I know who my God is. I know that even at any point along the way, He's not going to leave me. He keeps his word. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man, son of man that he should repent. If he spoke it, he will do it. So I can trust. I can wait. Sometimes I could just stand and wait. Yes. Do nothing and wait. Because you are peace. When you have those in your life, they bring a sense of confidence. Because the presence of God always brings confidence. Always brings confidence. He says, or, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, you get boldness, you get confidence, you know, uh, they, they, they saw, you know, every time you see the presence of the God, there's a sense of confidence that comes. It's not pride. Pride is uh, confidence that's generated from human achievement. But the Holy Spirit brings a boldness that just brings peace. You're like, I, I, I know, I know it's bad. 
I, I read the report just like everybody else. But I'm not freaking out. Because I know God is with me. I know God is with me. God has called me. And God will never leave me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you receive something from God this morning? Amen. Would you stand up? Let's pray.